We're headed over to James, okay? Um, this is a doctrinal, it's not a passage, it's not an exegetical study, this is a doctrinal study that we're in here on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you've not been with us, what we've been doing is the last few months and going through this rather slowly with everything else that's happening, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, His ministry to us. There's two areas, I want to finish this out, and one other area that the Holy Spirit is instrumental in our life that we'll get into, Lord willing, next week and the week after. But what we want to pick up is where we've been talking about the last few weeks. There's ministries of the Holy Spirit that are often referred to as the gifts of the Spirit. It's a very, very popular topic, very popular subject. In fact, you can pick up books, you can walk, go online, you can do all kinds of um, uh, self-examinations to find out what your gift is and if, you're, if you have this, that, or the other type of spiritual gift. And they base it upon the idea that the Bible gives a lot of references about different gifts of the Spirit. What we've identified in our study is this, that when we're describing gifts, we're basically saying that out of these many passages of Scripture where he talks about it in the New, Test in the New Testament, we get a sense of a number of different gifts that are available. They're listed, if you were to put them all together, most of them are listed here up on the board, but sometimes they're repeated, sometimes they're called a different type of a gift, but the basic idea is that it can be one of these different gifts, or uh, my conclusion is, we may not have an entire listing. We may not have a complete listing. We, uh, we said this is our definition of a gift. We said that it could be any ability or opportunity for service. Secondly, we said that it could be this. They can include total supernatural enablement to do something that a person could not do before. Um, for me, if I had the gift of healing in the New Testament area, I could all of a sudden reach over and you could hear where you can't right now. Okay, you could hear all of a sudden because I'd have that supernatural ability to all of a sudden do something that I couldn't do normally. Uh, there are some gifts, though, that we said work this way. It could be taking a personal skill or ability and heightening it and taking something like your you're a charitable person, but now all of a sudden it's heightened. You're a person who has financial wherewithal and means of making money. All of a sudden you get the gift of giving and it heightens that so that you can operate within that facility. It could be that you get the gift of hospitality. You normally do hospitality, but all of a sudden it's heightened. I think at times it happens in church functioning. Some people who are normally a little bit backward or shy, they study and all of a sudden their study is a heightened ability. And they can all of a sudden go through a passage, a text, or their opportunity to be able to minister is really, really amplified more than what it normally is. Then we said there's a third possibility. It's a position. It's a position or an opportunity for service, pastor, teacher. It's a position. Now, there's qualifications, but the office itself is considered a gift. We made these other observations about it. We asked this question, and this is critical. I know it's review, but this is so important. That's why every week I've been rehearsing this one for the last few weeks. Why are the gifts given? There's three basic reasons in the New Testament. Number one reason is this, is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that the Holy Spirit distributes to everyone according to His design so that you can profit the body. Gifts were given to minister to the rest of the people in your church, uh, church uh, relationship, your church body. We said secondly, that according to Hebrews 2, which we've looked at several times, they were to confirm new messages coming from God, new revelation 
the apostles were all of a sudden given the ability to do some of these gifts, these miracles, to confirm that what they were doing is presenting a new message from God Almighty. That happened in the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Jews were used to that. They understood that. They asked Jesus for a sign. And that was very legitimate because he said in Deuteronomy 18 that one of the ways you know that a prophet is from God is they would do signs and wonders. And so that was given as one of the, one of the uh, means of saying God's stamp of approval upon this person to be able to, to uh, give new revelation. And then we said that they were assigned specifically, we looked at this text last time we were together, in 1 Corinthians 14 where it says that they were assigned to the unbelieving, they were a, they were a tool of evangelism. And so we had, especially tongues was identified this way. So we have these different abilities, these different gifts, some supernatural, some human, but given opportunity or heightened. And the question that we are having and we were discussing is, are they functional today? And our conclusion was that there's three possibilities. We would either say there's none of the gifts, there's some of the gifts, or there's all of the gifts are going to be here today. I've concluded by my study from Scripture that we are talking in Scriptures that some of the gifts are possible today. Some of them are not. How do I know that? Because the prerequisites for the apostleship given in Acts chapter 1, nobody can fulfill it anymore. So gifts like the apostles, I think there's a couple others that go along that line, that they're not, they're not even able to be functioning. So they're, they're eliminated. And yet there's other gifts that are very clearly functional today, the office of pastor, teacher for one. And so then we made this ob observation that the purpose for some of these miraculous gifts, it's not needed anymore. You don't need to confirm the revelation. We have the completed revelation now. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 8 through 10 indicate that when the completed scripture has come, then that which is given in part, the tidbit revelation, it's going to stop. So clearly some of the gifts were designed to be temporary. So not all of them are functioning today. And we, we are going to look and say, okay, which ones are? we were concluded that basically the miraculous sign gifts are not functional. That included tongues. The question that we have is dealing with is healings. Healings becomes an issue because we, all of us would be affected by this. All of us at some time are going to have a loved one or somebody that we know or somebody that we worship with that if we could, we would love to be able to get them healed. We would love to, to do something. And, and you know, in the world today, there are some groups, some Christians that do this even that they're in an environment and because of their, their, where they're at in their faith, they become desperate for a healing. That some will go anywhere and to anyone that offers some hope. I don't want to decry those people because I've not been a parent who has a child that's in a terminal situation. I've not had a spouse in a terminal situation. You know, but I, I think I can understand that why some people in panic say, I, got, I want to try anything because you're in a desperate mode. But is that, is that a possibility even for us today? Are there the people who come through the area, such as several years ago, some of you will remember this, we had a faith healer come through and his advertisement in Hershey was, he was his specialty was healing dental problems. I've never heard of that before. I've never heard faith healers that have a certain field. And his advertisement of sheets were that you know, he could replace dentures within the meetings, the revival meetings. He could heal cavities. Now, he couldn't deal with broken bones. His specialty was only with dental problems. So Stevie was trying to put you guys out of business. You know, heal those, those types of things. So is, is that a possibility? 
For those of you who say, hey, if I've got a toothache in the middle of the night, if there's a faith healer nearby, it sure would be good if that were true. If we have somebody who's dying of cancer, if it were true, wouldn't you drive out to Wanda's house and give her a, give her a ride to somebody who could heal her? I mean, which one of us wouldn't be willing to? Wouldn't you take Chandler to a healer who could fix a 14-year-old boy's bones instead of the doctor saying, you can't, you can't be active anymore? Really? Tell that to a 14-year-old who loves sports? If it were possible, we would jump at the opportunity. So the question is, is it possible? Well, according to James chapter four, uh, 5, excuse me, James chapter 5, this is one of those passages that gets confusing. Let me read it. We'll do some of our other observations. We'll come back to this. He says in verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. I'm in James 5, 13. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Then he gives a prescription. Let him call for who? What's your Bible say? The elders of the church, and let them do what? Let them pray over him. And what, are they else, what else are they supposed to do? Ah, ah, is that what it says? Okay, which that, that's the way it's often interpreted. But is that what the passage says? We need to come back and, discuss, and examine it. Let them pray over him, having anointed him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall do what? It shall save the sick. And the Lord shall do what? Shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, now why in the world would he throw that phrase in when somebody is sick? The possibility has to be his illness is due to, yeah, in this case, in this case, sure. That makes most sense. If he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Then he goes on, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be what? They may healed. Is that a physical or a spiritual healing? The passage opens up a whole lot of questions. Before I just go back and I go back to my aha verse in verse 14 that I paused as you were making comment about anointing, let, let's just do an overview of Scripture. Let's see without one, one particular text. Let, let's do a study real quick. What is, what is about the healing? What is the discussion? Where is it, you know, what is this gift? If I were to define the gift of healing, here's what I would define it as. It is basically the idea that it is God-given supernatural ability to fully restore someone to good, complete mental or physical health. The reason I say mental health is in the scriptures were there people who were acting insane that were healed by Jesus Christ? Yes. Even some, because of their demonic influence, they cast themselves into fire or into the waters because they were trying to take their own life, okay? And so the healing aspect of it was to rid them of the disease or the de demon that was causing the problem so that they would have complete physical well-being. Let's go a little bit further with that. Of any disease, I think this is supported biblically, that the healing was of any disease that you never find in Scripture somebody who went out and said, I only deal with dental problems, or only deal with, you know, um, problems with the feet, or only deal with, you know, problems in the brain. Uh, don't see that. You see in scriptures that those who had the healing capacity could heal any disease. In fact, could they also take away the, the greatest uh, consequence of illness? Do you know what I'm talking about? What is the most severe consequence? Death. Did people in the scriptures ever heal of death? Well, we know Jesus did. 
Did they ever do it, anybody else besides Jesus? One of the prophets did, at least. Did that ever happen in other passages? The answer is yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Where you have, well, I'm, I'm thinking of the one where Peter goes in and raises up Dorcas or Tabitha, whatever name you want to use. And so you have those, those uh, abilities to handle any disease or consequence without any use of medical treatment, with any in, without any indication. Now, the most that Jesus ever used for medical um, application, do you remember the one, only one miracle that he ever did this? He used some other compound in the process of the healing. Do you remember what he did? He took the mud. Yeah, kind of gross, huh? He spit in the mud and he rubbed it on the eyes. Was that his normal pattern to do that? No, no. Then why did he do it that time? That's another discussion. Um, if you want to know, you should come to my Sunday school class. That's where we dealt with it. Um, <laughs> the question we have is, is the gift still functional today? Is this functional? We've already given reasons. Now, here's the arguments for it. I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm not trying to make these up like a straw man to shoot them down. I've gone to say, okay, what are the arguments that I have confronted or been in conversation with people? What are the books that I have read written by the people who promote it or the website? Why do they say that it is happening? Here's there's many of their arguments. One of them is 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, it makes the statement that by his stripes we are healed. It comes out of Isaiah. Okay, and it's a quote from Isaiah. And so they say, by the stripes, by Jesus' sacrifice, he said he would heal us. There's another argument that goes this way. God says that if we pray in faith, like the passage we have in front of us, verse 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. If we pray in faith, it says that he will save the sick. In fact, the scriptures say that the issue isn't whether or not they should be healed. The issue if they are not healed is whoever's praying, what about their faith? Or the person who's sick, what about their faith? It's all a matter of faith. If you have enough faith, you will be healed. The Bible promises that. Another, another conversation goes this way. Since God healed in the past, and since Jesus never changes, the, uh, the, the, the passage frequently that comes up is, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. Okay, so if God did this in the past, he must be able to do it in the future. And if we're saying God had the ability to do it, therefore God does it. And so for me or for anybody else to say God doesn't have the gift of healing functional today, we're decrying, we're denying the power of God. It's not true, but that's the argument. Okay, the argument goes this way at times. The argument says that since all illness... All disease comes from sin and Satan. Since they all come, and since God has defeated sin and Satan, it is God's will, excuse me, it's God's will that everybody be enjoying full health today. Okay? Now, it's a logical argument. The problem is the premise is wrong. Okay? But it's a logical argument. And so they look and they say, and by the way, the people who gravitate towards this today are what we would say the wealth and health gospelizers. Those who say God intends because he wants you to have riches. You have inherited his riches. It is God's will that every believer be, be financially wealthy. And if you come to our church, we will guarantee that you will be wealthy. 
Tom Latham runs into this in his area a lot in Brazil, where if you come to that church in this, and it's the largest group growing in, in his whole region, if you go to their church and if you give them whatever it is, a year's worth of wages, they guarantee you within five years that you're going to have more wages than you can, than you, you know, multiplied. Yeah, and so Tom says it's, a, it's an amazing thing how many people flock there and give them the money. It's called Christian gambling. Okay? And they go there and they do it and he says, you know, the shame of it is a lot of people don't hang around until the five years are, are passed. And then if it doesn't work after five years, the preacher, and he's on TV so they hear it, he, the preacher's explanation is you don't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you would be wealthy. Yeah. Now, there's one person in that whole thing that's getting very wealthy. Okay. Do you know who it is? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but, the, but it's a persuasive argument because most people will jump and say, well, God, God never changes or, you know, sin. And oh, yeah, yeah, everything is going back to sin. And Satan, you know, God, God wanted perfect health. Everybody's guaranteed perfect health. And it sounds good, by the way. We want to hear that. We want to hear that God wants us to enjoy perfect health. You know, it's, it feels good. It is God's will that everyone has, be healthy. The passage that I've heard used the most is this one from Exodus. It's the promise of the Jews, to the Jews when they were coming out of Egypt where he says, I will give you none of these diseases if you don't have any other false god before me. And so, you know, the arguments continue and the characters talk about prayer. God promises to answer anything that you ask for. And so it's very popular, okay? This faith healing is, is catches and you can understand why people would do it in desperation and, and it feels good, but is it biblical, okay? The reasons why people like me who are the naysayers, um, the, the negative ones on this, why do we think that that's not true? That we can't run to Scripture to say that God guarantees every one of us good health. That the only reason that somebody is experiencing, you know, any type of... De oh, oh let, me, let me be very pointed. Dominique, I'll pick on you. Okay. The only reason you have to have any contest on is you've got some sin in your life. Okay. Otherwise, you wouldn't even have to be going to the doctor. Okay. Boy, I, I, you know, to pick on Dominique, I love it, okay? It, it works. How does it make you feel? Not so good, okay? And she's like, stop using me as an illustration on top of it. <laughs> but, it, but it, you know, it makes for powerful preaching, but is it biblical? Do you, do you know the difference there? You can say some things that really motivate people, but wrongly, and it's not true. And so why do we think that it's not true? And I don't think, I don't, you know, I'm going to go back. Do I think there's a possibility biblically that somebody has to be, ha, could have sin in their life and that's why there's an illness? I do. I think that's a possibility, one of the seven different possibilities given in Scripture. And so we understand that it's a remote possibility and it's something that any one of us, if we had an extended illness, we would examine our heart. But what does the Bible say about these healings? Okay. I think this, the gift of healing was a miraculous gift. With that in mind, we know that several of the miraculous gifts were only temporary. We've already identified that with the tongues. We've already identified that with the apostles. Therefore, looking at other miraculous gifts, it just seems to be consistent to say if the apostles were temporary, the, the tongues were temporary to catch attention, to help get that pre initial promotion. Jesus used the gift of healing frequently for one reason, one reason alone. 
It was a basis by which to preach the gospel. Okay, and if we don't need that basis anymore to catch people's attention, if we have the completed word of God, therefore it's not necessary at this point. When we talk about this whole idea, we go back to Hebrews chapter 2. Gifts such as the signs and wonders, they were given to confirm a new message. If the gift of healing is still going on, then we're saying God is still giving ongoing revelation beyond the scriptures. I struggle with that. Because the scripture says when that which is complete is, is calm, then that which is incomplete will be done away with. We don't need additional scriptures. By the way, isn't this a fact? You and I don't need a whole lot more information from God. We just need to learn what we already have. This is a lot to be studying already and it's so rich that every time you open it up you can get more things out of it. It is just overwhelming to think that he keeps on having to give us stuff. In fact, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians 12. You may want to turn there. You may want to mark this verse. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about in this text, and he's making an observation about his apostleship, and he's, he's arguing with the idea that I am an apostle. Some of you people doubt me. But he makes a comment that is an interesting comment in his defense as he's defending his apostleship to these people, he makes an observation, he says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Those are all the miracles. Those last three phrases are the different ideas that show up in Hebrews chapter 2 and elsewhere as the signs and wonders. And so he identifies that some of these miracle gifts go hand in hand with apostleship. And once the apostleship is going to wane and go by the wayside, so would a lot of these different gifts as well. So the, here's an interesting observation. We're going to have you just chart for a minute here. Is people that heal today, if they're biblical healers, then their pattern should follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. If we're saying, if I'm going to argue with this, if, if I were arguing this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, forever. If Jesus healed, then we can have healings today. Then my healings better parallel the healings of Jesus Christ. Okay? What, what happened with his healings? How did they work? How did they go about? Now you and I can just start naming some of the different healings Jesus did. Here we go. You got them. The uh, blind man. The ten lepers, the lame, raising Lazarus. Oh, was, was there more than just Lazarus? Okay. Jairus' daughter. Okay. Uh, how about the widow of Nain, her son? Other miracles that he did that were healings. Pardon me? Okay. Okay. There are, there are 31 different individuals listed in the Gospels that Jesus healed. 31 individuals. We're not talking, we're not talking group healings where it just says he healed everyone who came. But there's 31 identifiable different individuals or situations where he did a healing. Then on top of that, there are a whole lot more of talking about, you know, he spent the evening healing and all who came to him and the crowds pressed upon him. Just making these from memory, okay? What do you know about his healings? They, if you were to fill in the blank, the healings of Jesus were, boom. What would you put in the boom? They were permanent. Good observation. Okay, they're all miracles. What else about them? They're instant. Okay, good observations. Complete. 
What do you mean by the complete? Good, good, okay. It wasn't in, it wasn't phases. It wasn't like this one faith healer. Alan Newton was telling me about the faith healer he was, that he ran into in, in Portugal. I think it was Alan. He said the faith healer mended one of the young man's broken arms, but the young man still needed the cast. Okay, the reason being is he healed him spiritually. And it takes time for the spiritual healing to process into the physical healing. Uh, duh, isn't that called normal? <laughs> but the man made, you know, made good money charging for it. Okay. They were free. Oh, I don't have that one up there, but that's true. That's true. There was no price for him. Good, good. What's that? He could do it by distance. Absolutely. Any others? With words? Okay. Did he touch at times? Okay, so the methodology changed. Any others? Were they, were they observable? Were they, were they um, obvious problems? You know what I mean by that? If I come up and say, Brian, I have the gift of healing. You don't know this, Brian, but you're developing some kidney problems. Okay? And now you're healed. Praise God, I never knew I had that problem. Okay. Jesus' healings, did the people know they had the problem? And did other people know they had a problem? Okay. Did Jesus ever encourage people to get them verified? All the time. All the time. So let's, make, let's just put up our list. Okay. I don't have free. You got to add free. That's a good one. Okay. Because it, it contrasts. They're done by word or touch. They're done at a distance. You said that. They were instantly. You guys said that. They were complete. You said that. No therapies. Okay. Um, immediate. I think that's what you meant, Stacy, too, when you were saying the guy who's never walked in his life, the amazing thing is he what? He gets up and he takes his bed. Now, again, his bed wasn't like yours. But he just rolled it up and he walked. The guy never walked before. Any of you been sick and laid up in bed for any extended period of time? What happens? Do you, yeah, do you have to relearn? Okay, and so the, there was none of that. Um, they were organic diseases. You know what I mean by that? They were very obvious they weren't just, okay, a mental state of mind. They were very physical in nature. All who came. Let me just give you a few verses. Just a few passages. And it amazes me how many there are. And I've only grabbed a few of these. But just to show you what I mean by that. In Matthew 4, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing all manner of diseases. And they brought to him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases. It continues on. And it says... And torments and those that were possessed with devils and lunatics, he healed them. The indication is he healed how many of those folk? Yeah, I mean, all of them, of all types of diseases. He, there's another comment in Matthew 9. He went about all the cities teaching in their synagogues, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. It almost seems like if Jesus were functioning today, he could go in the medical center. Now, think this through, just in your imagination. He could go in the medical center and how many of those people could he take care of? Every single one of them. Now, wouldn't that be a way to clear out the hospital? I mean, that's an amazing thing that anyone could go in and heal several and he could heal them all in instantly and free. 
Okay? Um, Unto his 12 disciples he gave them power against unclean spirits and to heal all manner. Now, it's not just him. Catch that he's giving the disciples this ability. All manner of sickness, all manner of diseases. We go a little bit further. Luke chapter 4, 40, 41. They, uh, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them to him. He laid hands on every one of them and healed. I don't get the impression Jesus had a time frame. Uh, 9 o'clock, I'm done. Okay, my healing hours are from 9 to 9.15. Okay, and then I'm out of the office. It doesn't strike you that way, or me that way. The point is he continued to heal. A great multitude of people came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Uh, there's, it's just time and time again. We got another one out of Luke that says the same thing. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. He received them and spake unto them the kingdom of God, healed them that had the need of healing. Let me make a couple more observations about his healings. The healings by Jesus. He raised people from the dead. That is the ultimate of healing. And you've mentioned several of those cases already. Others saw and verified them right away. In fact, Jesus encouraged verification. Remember how he told the lepers, go down, show yourself to the priests. Remember the one leper in Mark chapter 1 that the man doesn't obey Jesus. Jesus says, go and show it to the priest. Make sure you've done that. And the man spreads it everywhere. Now, I understand why the man spread it, but he disobeyed the words of Jesus. And as a result, the crowds became so great, Jesus could not enter into the cities. He hindered the ministry of Jesus by not verifying it. And that makes perfect sense because the Jews could, his critics could obviously say what? Because they didn't verify it, what could the critics say? It wasn't real. It wasn't real. And so that's why that verification is so important. So Jesus, in the bottom line is this, he used his miracles to promote the gospel. That's very consistent with the gifts. That's very consistent with the tongues. It's very consistent with the work of the apostles that he used them as occasions to launch into a message, which he did frequently. Ah, do you remember? We're gathered together and all of a sudden somebody tore apart our ceiling tiles. And right here, they dropped the man down in our midst. And Jesus takes the occasion to heal the man. But before he does that, what does he say to the people? Or what does he say to the man? Son, thy Thy sins be forgiven. Oh, you can't do that. You can't forgive sins. And Jesus said, okay, which one do you think is, is verifiable right here that looks greater, saying those words or actually healing this man who's never walked? And you know the story. The man gets up and walks. It's all about confirming his message, making it very clear. Now, let's, let's do some other people. Let's in our minds, let's do our Sunday school thinking. Let's do the book of Acts. And let's remember some of the healings that took place there. And let's see if there's a pattern here that is similar to the pattern of Jesus Christ. When they did healings, did they do it by, by word or touch? In fact, if their shadow passed by, Acts chapter 4, right? The napkin or the handkerchiefs that they used... They could speak to the people. So they had the same pattern that they did. They could do it by touch or they could do it by word. Same pattern. They were instant healings. Same pattern that we read about. Complete healings. Same pattern that there's no therapies right away. Same pattern. They were organic diseases, blindness, death, um, people who were crippled. Same pattern that all who came. Let me show you just two verses. Acts chapter 5. 
Acts chapter 5, just to, just to mark it in your notes, in your mind. In Acts chapter 5, there's a statement made about how many people came and how many were healed. Acts chapter 5, jump down to verse 12. I'll get there, I'll join you. It says in verse 12 of Acts 5, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. We read on. And they were all in one accord at the Solomon's porch and did rest. There, there, no man joined himself, but the more magnified them. The believers were more added, the multitude. Verse 15. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at the very least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick people and them that were vexed with unclean spirits. What's your last phrase say? Do you all have the last, this last phrase in your translation? They were healed, every one of them. Another passage does the same thing, Acts 28. Acts 28, towards the very end of the, of the passage. Acts 28, down to verse 7. This is after they've been stranded in the isle <coughs> in um, Melita. It says, in the same quarters, Acts 28, verse 7. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in, prayed, and laid his hands on him and healed them. It goes on. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and... Yeah, all manners of diseases again. So we have this pattern that just keeps on following that these guys, they did the same thing that Jesus did. Even to the point that we'd say they raised some people from the dead. Even to the point that others saw and verified their miracles. And all of it was done to promote the gospel. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern. So if somebody has this gift that's functional today, they should have this same pattern. It, should be, it shouldn't be a single type of illness. It shouldn't be healing from the inside and after weeks it'll work to the outside. It should be they could even raise some of the dead. It should be with promotion of the gospel. So we go down and we make these observations. And these are very important observations as I wind down about illnesses and diseases in, in, the, in a Bible uh, setting. Okay, <clears throat> number one is this. There is no doubt, there is no doubt in my mind God can heal if he chooses to heal. By saying that there's no gift of healing today, we are not saying God cannot heal. Don't you know of some people you prayed for and it seems like they were miraculously healed? I know there's been several in our church who have gone to the doctors and the doctor said there's something on this spot, or this spot on this x-ray, something that looks odd. And they, we pray about it, and there's some praying and fasting. They go back later and they say, oh, something must have been wrong with our machine. There is no spot anymore. Maybe not. Maybe it was God. Maybe God can still work miraculous healings where he chooses to do it. Do I think that God could heal a Wanda of her pancreatic cancer? I have no doubt he could. I have no doubt he could if he chooses to do that. Okay. Number two, here's an important thought. Sickness can come into our lives because of some personal sin. We know that, okay? We know that this is a possibility. We know from Scripture that in people taking communion in Corinth, some of them were sick and some even slept. They died because of personal 
violations. We know that there's, um, there's times, Gehazi in the Old Testament. We can think of other individuals in the Bible that they were afflicted because of some personal disobedience to the Lord. That is in some cases, that's a truism. But we'll go a step further. We know that also illnesses can, can come from Satan. <clears throat> can you think of any individuals in the Bible that this is true? Job. Job is probably your classic illustration. How about Paul in 2 Corinthians 12? I was buffeted by the messenger of Satan. Okay, so it's a possibility. We understand this happens at times. But let's take it a step further, okay, uh, as we move on a little bit here. Number four, I'm going to move on. Illnesses do not always come as a result of sin or demonic forces. That is a personal illness. I understand everything can be traced back to sin. But not every individual case can be traced to some individual sin or a demon, demon affliction. Could be, could be, but not every case. So to do this broad brush to say all sin is from Satan, I mean all, all sickness is from Satan, that's not true biblically. God can send a sickness. John chapter 9, who did sin? None of them sinned, neither he nor his parents. It's for the glory of God. God can allow an illness because in his sovereign wisdom he knows this is what's going to bring him the most impacting glory. And God can do that. And I have no doubt that our God, in fact, if God wanted to lay all of us down with a terminal illness tonight, is he just by doing that? He is, because he is, he's God. He's our God. He could do that if he chose to. If he knew that was the best, that's what he could do. But we also know this. Let's move on. God never promised good health to every, every believer. It's not in Scripture, okay? Can you think in Scripture where somebody who was very godly had an illness? Who? Paul, Job. In fact, what did it say about Job before his illness? There, there's, you know, God, what is God saying about Job? Let me rephrase that. There's, there's nobody like this guy. Okay? So to say that God promised everyone, you know, this rose garden, okay? No, that's not true. But here's a here's passage you've got to deal with. That back in that 1 Peter chapter 2 passage, in that 1 Peter 2 that is brought out where it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, how do we deal with that passage? How do you know that passage? It's 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, if you want to turn there. Okay, how do you know that verse isn't about physical healing? How do you know, how do you, know, how do you, somebody says to you, this passage promises that every believer is, uh, he, by his stripes we're healed. There is no sickness for somebody right with God. So you don't think he's talking physical here? Okay. Do you have any other support for that? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make it more difficult. It's right there. In the, it's right there. Just what you were just saying. Okay. You probably, you were alluding to it. Okay. What's he dealing with? What is the issue here? It's the sins. 
We're dealing with sin, right? The context is all about the idea of that spiritual healing because we're talking about our sins. We're not talking about our, our colds, our coughs. We're talking about our sin issue. We're not talking about our flu, okay? You know, where you've you, you got that flu, you're hanging over the toilet, and you wish it were taken away. Yes? Saturday night, I had an unusual thing happen. I came down with vertigo during the evening. And so it was like, whoa, this is not fun, not being able to move my head one way or the other. And so I hugged the toilet for a while. Sunday morning was really hard, you know, because if I shook my head, some of you were saying, boy, you were, you were hampered by that platform. Yeah, vertigo did it too. <laughs> I wasn't that as bad as, uh, as Skip, who just passed away. Skip had vertigo, what, about four years ago, five years ago? She drove herself to the doctor. And the doctor says, I need to talk to the person who drove you here. And she says, there was nobody. I did it myself. Yeah. And she couldn't stand, but she drove herself to the doctor. So Skip was tough. I'm not that tough. So, but, but you ever have those moments where you don't feel really good? You, you, want this, you want this gone. You want it taken away. Well, that's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about dead to sins. The dead in this passage, this, this whole, as you read it through, he's not talking about we're physically dead. We're dying but we're talking about a spiritual deadness. We're talking about the spiritual problems all the way through. The context is very, very clear. We're talking about healing. And by the way, the healing in this verse is past tense. You were healed in the past. Okay? So if he's writing this and saying you were healed, he's not dealing with your current flu. He's dealing with something that was done in the past and has ongoing. It's got to be dealing with your spiritual problem when you got born again. The, the context is clear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it makes it clear that God's will to heal all Christians is not always to do, heal all because in this passage, Paul says, I'm afflicted by the messenger of Satan who's buffeted me. And what did Paul do when he had that, that illness, this messenger, this thorn in the flesh? I asked God three times to remove it, but he said, okay, so can we say that it's always a prayer of faith issue? No, no, no. Number seven, God places far more emphasis upon the condition of a soul than the condition of the body, okay, which is critical. Does God allow illness to draw us closer to him? Yes, so what's more important? Our spiritual condition. Let's make a number, number eight. This is critical. This is important. God used men and medications to bring about healings at times. There's, there's a biblical pattern where all of a sudden I could reach down. If I had that gift, I could touch Elaine or speak to her, and she would, she would hear. Is there a biblical principle or statement that sometimes healing was done by medications? Luke is a doctor. Can you, what's that? Okay, Paul and together. Can you think of any specific illustrations where God promised a healing, but they used medications? That is one of them. That is one of them. Where he says, take a little wine for your stomach. This is not promoting Stan's bar here in town. Okay. The take a little wine for the stomach is promoting what? That, that what you do is you drink the appropriate beverage that's not going to get you sick. 
again, we understand, back in Bible days, you didn't drink. Okay, when you travel overseas today, don't. Yeah, don't drink the water. That's what we're talking about, okay? Exactly. We're going to get, to, we're going to get back to that one in just a second, okay? If you hang on to that, Steve, that's great. In 2 Kings, let me give you another one. 2 Kings chapter 20, where he comes in and says to Hezekiah, God is going to extend your life, okay? But he says, put a poultice on your wound, Okay? And so even after it's announced healing, he's still using medication. Steve brought up the passage I wanted to, to I said I wanted to refer to. In James, in James, that passage in verse, uh, chapter 5, where it says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The, the participle that's used in this passage is, gives us something very clear. It reads this way. Let, he, let them pray over him after having anointed him with oil. The word anointing is the same word that can be used in multiple different uh, texts uh, in ancient literature of massaging. Okay, do you remember, do you remember the story of um, the uh, Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan comes, the, uh, the Good Samaritan sees the man that's all beat up. How does he treat the man? He cleanses his wounds. Do you remember what it says specifically he uses on his wounds? He uses oil. It specifically states he uses oil. Oil was a medicinal agent. Okay, here often this, the, we, get, we run and say, oh, it's some type of mystical agent. It's a medical agent. It's a device. After having used the medications, call for the elders. Okay, seems to me a, a clear principle that God is not abdicating medicines. He is advocating medicines and saying, use the medicines. Don't use them exclusively without prayer or vice versa. Don't use the prayer exclusively without the medications. And so we have multiple passages that talk about the idea of the sick. They need a physician that God, God um, again, he advocates for medical practices. Let's go to number nine. Don't finish this out. There were occasions where healings were done by, here's, here's a challenge for you. Think this through. In the scriptures, there are occasions that non-believers did miracles. In the New Old Testament, do you remember where? One of the classic illustrations. Standing before Pharaoh, then the first few plagues were duplicated, yes? In the New Testament, what do you have? You have the false exorcists that were able to do miracles. You have in Matthew chapter 7 the very statement made, haven't we done many wonderful works? And in the original, it is miracles. Okay, it's that same idea of the signs and wonders. Those, but Jesus will say to some of those, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Is it possible that from the spiritual side, the enemy may reproduce some miracles done by God? to create confusion. Yes? In fact, it's going to happen in the future. It's going to happen in the future. The book of Revelation, he will do many, many miracles. Let's make this last statement. Initially, healings were done when the one who possessed the gift wanted to do it, but as time went by in the New Testament, they were unable to do it on cue or on, at their call up the ability. I think of Epaphroditus who almost died and Paul could do nothing for him but pray. 
well, you got all this put together, and so here's, here's my conclusions. My conclusions are, are just fourfold, I think they are. Number one, we can't say all faith healing is from God since they don't all follow the same pattern. We conclude that they don't all, they, they, they fit the temporary category gifts. We're going to make this observation. It could be that some people have a temporary cure from another source. It could be via power of suggestion. It could be psychosomatic illness in the first place. It could be a fraud or a fake. It could be Satan and occultish activity. But to claim the healings are from God is you're going to be hard-pressed at this day and age based upon biblical principles. We would uh, want to conclude by saying you and I need to be confident in prayer. There's several other things I could say, but I want to get down to the last one, so let me jump there. The last one is this. Men today need this message. They need more than a miracle. They need a message of repentance. They need a message that they can be saved from their sins by their stripes. They are healed spiritually. You and I need to really be focused not upon what we can, and it's, we want to help people out physically, but more importantly, we've got to be focused on helping people out spiritually. Not to the neglect of the physical, but we've got to get out the Word of God. We have got to be urgent about it. They're going to hell. They need Jesus Christ. You and I need to pray about it. You and I need to get involved with it. In a couple Sundays, we're going to talk about a ministry that Pastor Travis is going to introduce for you to get involved for the next three months in evangelistic outreach. Pray about the reach opportunities. Pray because this is vital. We have a mission. That mission is we've got to get the word out. And if we can increase our abilities and opportunities to do that within our community, we would honor the Lord because that's why he came to die to save souls. Let's make sure we're very, very focused on that.